This is Jason Holleran. I proudly served for 33 years, culminating as the Deputy Commandant at West Point. Put this on your calendar. World War II weekend inside Old Bethpage Village Restoration on Long Island. Scores of operational vintage armor in formation May 18th and 19th. Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman invites you to join him in saluting America's greatest generation and all those who have worn the uniform in defense of our freedoms. That's May 18th and 19th, presented by the Museum of American Armor. Gracie and you, Dominic, you know, when people ask me what have I been doing in the city, I say, you need to talk to Dominic Carter, because you've been covering me for almost 30 years now. Nice to be with you, Dominic. I think you are really in a very, very high league, and I watch some of your competitors on, frankly, the national shows, and I say, why aren't you doing a national show? Because I really think your delivery and your questioning and your brain power is really at the highest level, so that's good. This is Dominic Carter, everybody. Now, here's Dominic Carter on Talk Radio 7. And good morning, good morning, good morning. Dominic Carter here with you, Talk Radio 77 WABC. Why do I always say the glass is always half full, never half empty? The glass always half full, never half empty. And I also say, and it's not a cliche, live your life every day. We never know when it will be the last one. Lisa Marie Presley, dead at the age of 54, the only daughter of Elvis and Priscilla Presley, dead after going into cardiac arrest. She was rushed to a hospital and did not make it such sad news. We have a lot to get to this morning. How about this? One set of rules. One set of rules. Not the Trump aggressive rules and then the rules for everybody else. Not the Trump go after Trump, raid his home at Mar-a-Lago, go through the first lady's belongings. How about not those rules and then sit on documents for a few weeks, if not months, as it relates to Biden. How about one set of rules? Since This looks awful. It looks awful. Sensitive papers found at Biden's Delaware garage, personal library, and office are used, as you know, at a Washington, D.C. think tank. Uh, Some of the papers classified and, again, discovered in his garage, personal library, and office at uh, the Penn uh, Biden Center. Attorney General uh, Merrick Garland has appointed former Maryland U.S. Attorney Robert Hur as a special counsel. Now, Democrats, Democrats have defended Biden And I gave this argument a little bit of credibility by pointing out that his representatives immediately returned the materials upon their discovery, unlike Trump's efforts to fight their return. But now, but now all of that does not pass the smell test. How about that 60 minutes appearance Mr. Biden made uh, trashing Trump over the documents? How about that? How about that? And now we find out that he, too, 
has a uh, document problem. The White House waited months to acknowledge the first discovery and only did so after a CBS report. As Trump says on his social media network, and the former president is correct, why didn't the Justice Department announce the highly classified documents found in Biden's office before, keyword, before the election? You and I know why. It's dirty politics. It, it, this sounds terribly naive, but it's not plain fair. It's not plain by one set of rules. That's one story we're going to deal with this morning. A second one. You couldn't pay me to be a police officer. The nonsense that they have to put up with. And that that bleeds into my question this morning. Why Why do primarily, not all, but some young men of color run from the police. We can't act like it doesn't exist. It, it, it's an issue. And why do I why do I bring all of this up? The co-founder of Patrice Colors, you know who she is, the uh, real estate lady, all the million dollar properties, uh, co-founder of Black Lives Matter. Her cousin, her cousin Keenan Anderson has died in L.A. after being tased by police. He, key word, he was trying to flee. The young man apparently uh, was a teacher. And the bottom line is this, and if you look at the video, he provokes the entire incident. You could not pay me to be a police officer today. The young man was clearly on some type of drug. It's clear. Don't believe me. Look at the video. And what does he say? What does he say? The young man says, quote, in the middle of all this, they're trying to George Floyd me. He's screaming. They're trying to George Floyd me. Frantically uttering that comment. Of course, referencing the 2020 police situation of Mr. Floyd, a Minneapolis man that sparked nationwide police brutality protest. And so we're going to deal with that. And there are a number of other stories that are on my mind. Imagine this. Imagine this one. You let, let's say let's say you're not from New York City. And let's say you're from France, and you come to New York, and you decide to go to Harlem, and you decide to go to IHOP. It's Valentine's Day. And some deranged man comes out of nowhere upon your leaving IHOP in Harlem and literally cuts your throat for no reason at all. And your blood, as the police are rushing there to help you, is pouring out literally on the street. All you did was visit New York, go to Harlem, and go to IHOP. And a man cut his throat. Well, that man, and I say amen to the judge, was just hit with a 25-year 
prison sentence. And that is what is necessary. That is what is necessary. And it seems like Mayor Adams is starting to have enough, folks, with the migrants. I told you the other night, I mean, come on, get over artists. Many, many of these people are just looking to get over. I said it. I said it because it is what it is. And stop running this game to me. Oh, they're pursuing, they're running from political uh, uh, persecution. All of them, huh? All the people that are here, they're all running from political persecution. Give me a break. It's called getting over. It's called thinking that Americans are stupid and that they can do this. So why do I say this? And we see all the calls coming in. We're about to start with them momentarily. (sighs) We told you the other day that at the Manhattan Hotel, where it's $500 a night for some rooms, you and I are paying for that. And by the way, the mayor has threatened already that the city could go bankrupt as he released his budget uh, just a few hours ago. But the tabloids caught pictures of all the food that's being thrown away, the sandwiches, the deli meat. We all know how expensive all of this stuff is these days. And why is it being thrown away? Because it's not the cultural food. It's not the cultural food that the migrants want. Can you believe this? It's not the cultural food, hot food, that the migrants want. And so, and so they they are not eating it. The migrants are not eating it. And so the mayor seems like he has had enough. And he says the city will not bend to their commands, to their needs. And the city should have put them in tents from day one. Why should the city of New York pay up to $500 a night for a room for somebody that's not even here legally? Oh, I want you folks, I want you to listen to what the mayor had to say as it relates to this wasting of food. The mayor says he's aware of it, and he says the city is not going to bend to do culturally appropriated food. Can you believe this? You're, you're in someone else's country. We're paying for you to have a roof over your head. We're paying for your kids to get an education. We're paying for your health care, your children's health care, and you won't eat the food that you're being given because it's not hot food that appears to you on a cultural level. Here is what the mayor has to say. I guess I'm a little old-fashioned. <laughs> if... Our city is giving people food to eat that are in a terrible state. I think that that is, that is a real great effort for the people of this city. And I'm not quite sure if there was a bag of food that was tossed out. I don't know the circumstances around that. And so I would dig into it. But what we're going to do, we're going to provide food for people. People may have a different uh cultural tastes for certain foods. We can't do that. We can only provide nutrition, food for people. And then we're doing analysis. If people are ordering too much, then they got they have to make the adjustments. So we're going to look into it and determine exactly what happened there. I don't know what happened there. I learned about it when I read it in the papers. Mayor Adams uh, declaring that the city is not going to bend over backwards and this should have been the approach from day one. 
It should have been the it should have been a compassionate but hardline approach from day one when the migrants started arriving to New York. And now I think the mayor has finally realized that the city cannot afford this anymore. You should see all the bags of food that have been thrown in the garbage because the migrants don't want it. They want what they want. They don't want to stay in the tent city. They want what you and I have. They want to stay in the hotels. Hey, the good life, the American life. But I I started with, and we're going to get to uh, the Biden situation in just a second, but I want to begin with California. The uh, Black Lives Matter co-founder, and we see your calls, I promise we're about to begin in a minute, but I do need to set this up. The um, Black Lives co-founder, Patrice Cullors, I call her the real estate lady, the multi-million dollar real estate lady. She had one big book deal, and that one book deal provided enough for her to buy several mansions to live in. That's what I refer to her as. And so her cousin has died after being tased by cops. He was trying to flee. You couldn't pay me to be a police officer and deal with the nonsense that the men and women of blue have to deal with on a daily basis. So the implication is that the police have it out for Black Lives Matter and they're going to take it out on the family members. But what what you're not being told in this story, in the video, you see clearly that her cousin is at fault uh, in this situation. And she's already tweeted, the LAPD has, has killed three black men this year. One happens to be my family. So the young man was clearly on some type of uh, drugs, clearly. And what, what you're not being told in this, and I suggest you look at the video. Of course, the charge of racism, the LAPD, the NYPD, this is what they do. They don't tell you that one of the cops, the main cop struggling with the guy in the middle of the street, in the middle of the street, is a black cop. They don't tell you that. A a white cop did tase him, but it was a black cop. Anyone that knows anything about law enforcement knows that anyone that does not want to be handcuffed, it is very hard to get the cuffs on them. And so this incident happened January 3rd in Los Angeles, in Venice, the uh, neighborhood, uh, and the police released a 19-minute video. Now, this started because witnesses initially told officials that a man, later identified as the cousin, 31-year-old Keenan Anderson, had caused a traffic collision at a busy intersection. This guy on drugs was running in the middle of the street and exhibiting erratic behavior, according to the LIPD. You see an officer arrive on his motorcycle. The officer is very professional and appears nice on the video. He instructs the young man that's clearly high and agitated to get up against the wall. Now, remember, remember the officer was on a motorcycle when he pulls up, so he has to get control of the situation. So the young man uh, obeys the orders and sits on the sidewalk while being questioned. Then 
Now, remember what I said. He's high on something. He expresses concern that other cops will try to plant evidence in his BMW. He was driving, and he was a teacher, so maybe he could afford the BMW. And so a a person that called the police said, that guy right there, he caused the accident, right? And the man also says that reported this, he was trying to steal my car. He says, yes, the police are doing the job, the job right now. Don't think the police are abusing him. He was trying to get away. The witness continues. So another man is heard stating, I think that guy's in a very paranoid state. After five minutes after paramedics arrived to render aid to the 31-year-old man, a teacher, uh, things went uh, wrong. And so he was taken to a hospital after five minutes after the paramedics arrived. So what you see, and he died uh, four and a half hours later, a medical emergency. Uh, We don't know what that is uh, as of uh, yet, what that medical emergency is. Police have said that an autopsy conducted by the uh, department found that he had traces of cocaine and cannabis in his system. And so you, you, the, the young man says they're trying to put stuff in my car. And then, and you're going to hear part of this in a second, it's kind of hard to hear. Because I'm trying to understand why do, in some cases, young men of color run from the police? And so all of a sudden the man is saying he's hot and he's becoming very agitated. He bolts from the police officer on the motorcycle and goes into the middle of the street, the middle of the street with the cars. So now the police have to endanger their lives. The cop has to turn on the siren, tells him to get down on the stomach and, and uh, lay down and get turn over in the stomach. He refuses to. You see the black cop tasseling with him on the floor as he's screaming, they're trying to George Floyd me. And so you do see the officer. They Apparently he won't comply, and ultimately they end up uh, tasing him, and, and he ended up dying. Uh, they tased him several times. I want you to listen. This is important to how it sounded, the confrontation. Now, remember, folks, at this point, he has disobeyed the police officer's command. He's bolted into the middle of a, almost imagine someone bolting into the middle of Fifth Avenue or the Grand Concourse in the Bronx. This is what this man does. And this is what happened next. Please don't do this, sir. Please. Help me, please. Help me, please. No, please, help me. Help me, please. Please, please, please. Please, please, please. Keenan, relax. Keenan, relax. Help. Help. It's going to kill me. Kill me. Help. Help. Stop it on the taser. Stop it on the taser. I'm a taser. Stop it right now. Stop it right now. Turn over. Turn over. I'm a taser. Turn over. I'm a taser. Turn over. I'm a taser. Yes. Watch, watch your elbow, pardon? You're trying to draw it for me. You're trying to draw it Stop it. Stop it, I'm going to tase you. I'm going to tase him. You're trying to kill me. You're trying to kill me. Stop it. Sounds awful. It sounds awful. 
This young man provoked it. The officer, the initial officer, was trying to help him. It's clear from the body. And thank God for the body cam video. Because here's the way this narrative would go. White police officers killed another black man. Let's protest around the country. That's not what happened. This young man was high on something. And a clearly at, now, does that mean he should end up dead? No. But you hear the officer tell him, Keenan, directing him by name, stop, please stop, 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 turn over on your stomach. He will not comply. What is he doing? They're going to George Floyd me. They're going to George Floyd me. And so uh, we're waiting for the autopsy to be released. But it brings up the broader question, and I'm about to go to Frank and Astoria, of why do, obviously, if you have something to hide, you're going to run from the police. But, and you know, you, you look at Dante Wright, tried to get away. You look at a number of situations. Let's begin with the telephone calls with uh, Frank and Astoria. Good morning, Frank. What's on your mind? Yes, Dominic. Uh, you know, I have uh, two members of my family who are NYPD officers, and they actually were transfers that ended up in my local precinct. Uh, one is a female uh, second cousin, the other one is a first cousin. And they're not too fluent in English. Uh, they came from Puerto Rico, and but they made their choppies, and they dealt with the violence in the Bronx, okay? And then they ended up in the story of Queens. Uh, and I'm actually, you know, a civilian volunteer from... Uh, uh, auxiliary police section assigned to my own community. I, I where you, I was Frank, going. you got to get to the point. We got a lot of yeah, calls. You know, I, they, they've told me that they've had these problems with racial uh, uh, profiling and racial uh, uh, attacks from uh, blacks, and it's not always blacks. It's from other ethnic groups as well. They said it's that they've learned that it's from a family tradition. If a family member is raised as a Latin king, if a family member is raised as uh, a blood, they have the tradition of believing in being anti-police. They can't be abiding uh, the, the orders from the cops. And they said that they can't get through with gang members or people who have that ingrained belief. But, 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 but this man taught, this man in, in, um, in uh, Venice taught kids in high school. So he's not. We would hope he's not a uh, a gang member. I mean, so so he falls outside the norm. Well, you know, Dominic, uh, if because uh, I was uh, on the street for a while, if if you tell someone, listen, I'm an officer of the law, listen to what I have to say, and they refuse to, what what, what are you supposed to do at that point? No, that that's the point that Pat Lynch made to me, the president of the uh, of the PBA. I, I mean, I, I hear you, and, and Frank, I thank you for the call. And, you know, Frank is on to something, because I remember I was talking to a young man uh, about to go into high school, a young man of color, and I said, young man, how do you carry yourself if the police uh, walk up to you? And I was trying to explain to him that you do everything they tell you to do, you don't be flip, you don't talk back to a police officer, you show them tremendous respect. And so when I asked him, what do you do with a police officer? The first answer he gave me, and I found this startling. He said, it's run. And I said, run? You you don't run from a police officer. But this is what a a young man uh, told me. And so uh, we're talking to you about the situation. Uh, 
as it relates to uh, law enforcement. And I, I spoke to David last night before I moved to Biden. I see he's on the uh, line this morning. David says that this notion that only black people run from police is not true. I didn't say, David, that only black people run from police. Good morning to you. Yeah. Yes. Good morning, Dominic. I understand what you're saying, but I think a person might be left with the impression from what you said that it's only young black men who run from police, which is definitely not true. Because before I lost my vision, I used to watch that program, Cops. And you could definitely say that a majority of the people who ran from cops on that show were not black. I mean, I, I, I worry about these situations that happen because I have never been in a situation where I had to be handcuffed or anything like that. But I have had situations with NYPD where I felt that the cop that I was dealing with was racist. And I'm hoping that you're not implying that there's no such thing as a racist cop. I, you know better than that, right? Well, David, I, I never said uh, that there's no such thing as a racist cop, but but I believe that if you carry yourself professionally, the individual that the police are stopping, nine and a half out of ten times, you can control the situation by your demeanor. No, I agree with you. Every time, the first exposure I ever had with this was when my uncle was pulled over because we were, uh, my grandmother had a Cadillac, which my uncle was driving in our neighborhood, which happened to be a white neighborhood, and we were pulled over. And the first thing he did was, when we were pulled over, he, didn't, he wasn't argumentative. He knew what paperwork to get out of the glove compartment, and he handled it professionally. Now, the same thing happened to me years later, and I'll admit, I lost my temper because I knew why we were being pulled over, and I'm not the type of person who would just sit back and tolerate that type of thing. And that interaction could have gone south. But luckily, my mom happened to be in the car and calmed everything down because – you know, when you're black, and, and I know you know this, although I don't know if you've ever been pulled over for racial reasons, but when you're black, it does happen to you. And it's hard to, to take it because you feel like you're paying these people, and they have no right to harass you because you're black and driving through the wrong neighborhood or out of the wrong – what they consider the wrong time. Hey, and David, they always come up with David, some bogus – David, yeah. and, and let me just ask you this, and then I, and then I got to move on. Herein lies the problem. I just heard what you said. But let's put ourselves in the shoes of the police officer for the second, for a second. And this is an assumption on my part that I'm making. But how are they to respond when nine out of ten people that they stop for committing a crime happens to be black? Well, wait, you're saying, wait, first of all, when we talk about traffic stops, we're not necessarily talking about crimes. I mean, when you get pulled over for a, a broken, um, you know, uh, what do you call that? Thing? Right. I, I wasn't, I didn't focus just on, on traffic stops. And, okay. and, and this but, was not a traffic stop in L.A. All right. But again, this is the problem, though. You have to take each person as an individual case. You can't assume because someone brought something up recently about, uh, you know, if, if someone's coming down the street and they hit, if they're wearing a particular kind of hat or a hoodie and they hit you, you have to be afraid da- of all David, hoodies. David, that's La La Land. And yes, and yes, and yes, if I'm a cop, my guard is going to go up if I'm dealing with somebody with a hoodie on. Yes. See, we have to be honest, David. When, right, when no, are we going to be honest? All right, listen, I've always been honest with you when I call this program. And listen, I understand both sides of this issue, okay? I've been the victim of crime many times. I've been the victim of police harassment several times in my life. So I can see this from both sides. 
I understand it's a very difficult job. I would not choose to be a police officer, and I would not want anyone in my family to be one because of the difficulty of the job, whether you're a good person or not. Hey, hey, it's David, not an easy so, job. So, because, I, because I really do have to move on. So, I mean, put yourself in these cops' situation, in their situation for a moment. You you respond to a call. You're trying to help this deranged young man who's bugging out and running into the middle of the street. He's already caused a car accident. You can't leave. It's your job to get this under control. What are the cops supposed to do? Are they supposed to say, well, please, let us uh, handcuff you, and we'll work this out downtown. Please let – what are they supposed to do? All right. Wait, first of all, Dominic, I didn't take issue with the way this was handled. Because if he was acting, again, I'm not able to see what you're talking about, so I have to take your description of it. If that's what happened, they acted appropriately, and I have no problem. It's unfortunate that this young man ended up dead, but, you know, he's responsible for what happened to him. So I'm not blaming the cops for this, but I'm just worried that sometimes when I listen to you, I get the impression that you think that bad things never happen on the police side when that's definitely not the case. And well, thank you for the, uh, you know, th- thank you. Thank you for the call. Uh, you just brought up a good point, David. You said that I, I you believe that I feel that bad things never happen uh, uh, done by police officers. I do feel that 95 percent of the time the police are not at fault. That's what I honestly believe. And that's what my experience uh, in life has uh, has shown me. Folks, we have so many issues to get to um, uh, as it relates to uh, Lisa Marie Presley uh, dying unexpectedly at age 54. This Biden mess over documents, that's another whole story within itself. One set of rules, one set of rules. In fact, we're going to go to Biden as soon as we come back. You cannot, you cannot, when it comes to Trump, oh, Oh, here comes the FBI, raid his house, go in his wife's personal belongings. The first lady of the United States, former first lady, has no privacy. Oops. Now the current president has the same exact problem. Oops. Well, we held it a few days, a few weeks. What's the problem? Oh, the midterms? We tricked the American people? Oh, don't worry about it. We will be right back. Now, here's Dominic Carter on Talk Radio 77 WABC. And this uh, Biden situation, we're going to go to it in just one second. But first, I want to go to Valerina, Valerina in Florida. Good morning, Valerina. What's on your mind? Hi. I want to, I just, I love your show. I listen to it all the time. Thanks for taking my call. I got to reply to David. He's got to stop it with the racist. I grew up in a predominantly white Rhode Island town. We had black people in our junior colleges, colleges, cities, whatever. We all got along, 50s, 60s. Yes, I'm not. I'm not saying that there was not racism, but we all got along. When I moved to the Big Apple in the 70s, I experienced racism from blacks, okay, 80s in New Jersey from blacks. Now it's very high with white people and blacks here in Florida. 
but I'm not going to condemn the entire race. This is a woke movement that's going on. The other thing I want to say is I was a certified substitute teacher in Patterson, New Jersey, with the poorest of poor, black, white, Bangladesh, Latina, you name it. We did not have the free breakfast program, Dominic, in the early 90s in the school system. I used to sneak in breakfast items for those kids. That food that those migrants threw out, those children and their parents would have thanked me a thousand times for eating food like that. That's a whole new game that these people are playing. Because back in the 90s and 80s, the Latin and the blacks and the whites, we all ate that kind of stuff. We were glad to get it, especially people that were living paycheck to paycheck and poor people. This is nonsense. Well, Valerina, I thank you for the call and thank you for what you did for the children. And I hear stories like that all the time of teachers stepping up, going over and above. Uh, because like you said, in many districts, the free lunch program was not in place and these kids would have gone hungry, um, if, if they weren't eligible or if it wasn't there. And when you think about this situation with the migrants, I mean, I'm sure you have a handful of people that are are fleeing political uh, persecution, but these are get over artists. It's at some point we have to be honest about this. Thank you, Valerina and call it for what it is. They're going to deny food that you and I are paying for because they want hot cultural food. We'll go back to your country and get it. How about that? Go back to your country and pay for and, and you pay for it. How about that? How about the taxpayers are putting the roof over your head? You front the rest. I understand they may not have money, but give me a break. It is time for this entire migrant situation to poof, disappear. Al and Yonkers, good morning. What's on your mind? Yeah, Dominic, I was going to touch on about Lisa Marie uh, Presley. That's a tragedy. Uh, But I wanted to touch on what you were talking about in L.A. quickly. I just wanted to say the, uh, the person who lost his life, uh, he was displaying signs of poss- possibly being under the influence of meth. And when you're under the influence of meth, uh, his heart rate probably went up. And when they tased him, that probably uh, caused him to go into cardiac arrest. So I'm sure, like you said, he was high on uh, uh, drugs and the getting zapped and the uh, high blood pressure due to the uh, methadone, the meth caused him to lose his life. Well, my my question is, what else are the police supposed to do, Al? I mean, this guy is clearly bugging out, running yeah. around the street, causing car accidents, bolting into the middle of traffic. What are the police supposed to do? Yeah, those are probably exactly, those situations are probably the, the most stressful for a police officer when you're dealing with somebody who's under the uh, influence of narcotics and acting irrational because things quickly can go wrong, and they usually do. And, and it does happen. And and immediately, thank you, Al, for the call. We want to focus on the police, but the focus is never on the upbringing of this young man. It's never on the focus of his parent or parents, but yet we want to blame the police. And look at the video, folks. It's everywhere. 
It's a black cop on the ground struggling with this guy, trying to cuff him while the white officer is standing back holding the taser, trying to assist and calm this man down. And now here we go again. Let's go to Teddy in Yonkers. Good morning, Teddy. What's on your mind? Uh, good morning, Dominic. Dominic, great listening to you. I stay up late just to speak to you. Well, thank you, Teddy. And listen, you're very articulate, and you bring broad viewpoints. And, Dominic, i got to say that you're right. Uh, but And, Dominic, I was told my girlfriend laying here in the bed, the problems in this country seem so insurmountable. Dominic, I don't know what the solutions are to the, the society problems, especially the racial problems. And I, I don't know the solutions, Dominic. And uh, it, it's just very depressing and sad. You bring up good points as far as what are the cops supposed to do? do that's an excellent point but dominic you do recognize what david was saying and i'm just thinking about rodney king when that was on video that was clear and evident that those cops were guilty as all hell and i don't know how that jury found them innocent and i think you would agree with me based upon the video what they did to rodney king beating him with those nightsticks I mean, that, that's a clear example of racism and uh, police brutality, and as well as uh, what happened to George Floyd. As, but, Dominic, I'm no, not— No, 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 jo- George Floyd is not, is not that obvious. It's not that clear. Rodney King, I'll give you that. George Floyd, Teddy, was not—and again, in respect to his memory, he was not a Boy Scout. No one should have to die like that. No one should have to die with someone uh, having a knee on your neck. But all I am saying to you, all I am saying to you, Teddy, is that, you see, we, we don't want to be honest. We don't want to be honest about this. If you're a police officer and you're in a, uh, a sector car with your partner and out of 10 calls, all 10 are black, all calls that you're responding to, Eventually, the officers, whether they want to or not, are going to become jaded. And we don't want to, we don't want to be honest in calling this the truth. And we don't want to look at the community's role in, in all of this. And so, you, you know, if, 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 if you're dealing with someone talking back to you on every single call, disrespecting you, trying to smoke marijuana in front of you, eventually, Teddy, you don't think that one's tolerance, one is going to have enough of a situation? You're right. I guess I would fall into that category also. There's just so much that an individual, as they say, can take. Well, Teddy, I really appreciate your call, and you you mentioned you and your girlfriend. I hope uh, each of you have a uh, a great morning on this Friday morning. Let's go from Yonkers to Manhattan. Let's say good morning to Steve. Good morning, Steve. What's on your mind? All right, Big Dom. Before I get to the meat and potatoes, it's, it's got to be, be quick, Steve. It can't be no long extent. You, you you get me nervous. Wait, you get me nervous when you say before I get to the meat and potatoes. We don't have that quick, type of time. Quicker than, quicker than Dave's calls, who's on five minutes and always screaming racism. Um, first of all, Lisa Marie Presley died. If you're going to notice, all her husbands will be listed. One of them is Michael Jackson. She married him in 94. To me, this was a total sham marriage because the year before okay. 93. Okay, okay, Steve, why do we need to hear that on, on, the, on the, the day that this woman is dead? Why, why do we need? This is what's wrong in the world. 
What? Who cares about her marriage, good. Steve? Who Tell cares about truth. her marriage? Who cares Tell about her truth. marriage to Michael Jackson? We do care about it. Cause, no, cause you Jackson, care about it. Mike, Michael Jackson was accused of molesting kids and for the first time. And what does that have to do with, with her? What does that have to do with her? Because I think it was a sham marriage to get okay, try to okay, rebuild his okay, reputation. Okay, okay, Steve. Let's you don't say, let me Steve, talk, but you let racists and left wingers talk. Steve, Steve, let's say it, Steve, Steve, let's say it was a sham marriage. Next, what what does that mean? Well, it means that. It and was and done I took because... your call. I, you you said I don't. You said well, I'm you far left. Steve, left wait, I'm going to let I'm going to let you. Steve, talk. I'm going to let you talk. I know exactly what you're going to say every single time before I take your call. And yet you I, you're going to say, say. I, you you're going to start, Steve, you're going to start out by going, hey, Big D, and then you're going to address the audience instead of addressing me directly, and you're going to say, listen, folks, and then you're going to say the far left. You say the same thing every single time, but yet I take your call. This audience wants to hear this voice. Oh, they, the audience? Okay, well, not tonight they won't. Thank you for the call. Let's go to uh, Maria in Brooklyn. Good morning, Maria. What's on your mind? Good morning. Listening to the topics you have, I must say, the, the, the L.A. situation, it's, it's, so, it's almost like every time there's drugs involved. Guess what, everyone, the minority communities, we are a prey to Democrats' laws of legalizing drugs. We Nobody's saying anything about this, but when you start legalizing by Democrats, marijuana is the beginning of something. And unfortunately, Agreed. those minority communities are falling prey. Nobody's saying anything about that. Agreed. Reference, reference Biden. I have this terrible feeling that Biden, his own party, is beginning to bring him under the bus. He is done. This, to me, sounds like there are uh, chips behind the behind the, the wall being moved, behind the scene, rather. And it's sound, to me, I think Obama's hands are all over it, okay? And then on the, on the immigration situation, where is – I remember Univision had Jorge Ramos every single night saying how much all these uh, migrants, they contribute to the economy. Why isn't anyone going up to Jorge Ramos today and asking him all my taxpayer dollars that these folks from all over the world are costing me now? Okay? Why isn't anyone uh, saying anything about that? The left tried to tell us that all this migration was going to be so great for this country, and here it is. The invasion of America is in the middle of it because it's not – don't give me this uh, COVID-42 law, and that's the reason they're going to come. Whether there was COVID or not, as soon as you have an administration that has basically asked them to come in, invited Agreed. them, Agreed. this is going to happen Agreed. regardless. Maria, Maria, you are on fire this morning. Thank you. Everything you said, for the most part, is accurate. And, folks, I've got to take a break. I just want to address the Steve situation for one second. I know when I take his call exactly what he's going to say, but I take the call anyway out of respect, just like I do for everyone else. There are times at the beginning of the show where I can uh, 
uh, uh, permit more time for you folks to be on air. But as we start getting towards the top of the air, I, I mean, top of the hour, I have to cut people off because we have a full line of calls and I'm trying to get to as many as humanly possible. Plus, we have the Chronicles of Dominic Carter coming up. When we come back, we'll do that, the Chronicles, and we'll go right back to your telephone calls. WABC. These are the Chronicles of Dominic Carter on 77 WABC. And call this one victory for the victim, the deranged Manhattan man who slit, who slit literally a French tourist's throat and a random Valentine's Day sneak attack in Harlem has been hit with a 25-year prison sentence. The um, suspect, 28 years old, Khalif Young, convicted of attempted murder last month in the unprovoked 2020 daylight attack of a 27-year-old tourist. He was leaving IHOP with his girlfriend, visiting from France, and this man slit his throat. And if you look at my Twitter, Dominic TV, Dominic TV, there's a photo there where you see this man's blood draining uh, onto the street outside of IHOP and his girlfriend with a panic look on her face trying to uh, to help him and a police officer uh, also trying to help him. And thank God the man lived and was able to testify against this monster. The judge called the attack unprovoked and vicious. Let's go back to the telephone calls. Let's go to Loretta in Brooklyn. Good morning, Loretta. What's on your mind? morning, Dominic. I'm very upset about Lisa Marie. Uh, it may be insignificant uh, considering everything else that's going on, but uh, after I stopped crying, I said a short prayer that she went safely home into God's loving arms. Um, how many other children did she have? Lisa Marie, I know she lost a son two or three years ago. And Priscilla is my age. She's 77. She has to bury her daughter now. Yes. And yes. lost her grandson. Um, uh, how many other children did Lisa Marie have? I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't I don't know the answer either, Loretta. I would never uh, state any information that I'm not sure about. But that but that's she had how many? Four children. Had, four, four children. Oh. And oh, so well, that's what I'm being told. And and that's why I got so upset at Steve a yes. second ago, because because uh, this woman's body is not even cold yet. Right. And, I, and I could care less who she was married to. We have to stop this demonizing people like she was not a human being, like she wasn't a person. So what? She was married to Ma- Michael Jackson. That's her business. I have nothing to do with that. She was a good mother as far as I know. And that's the bottom line, Loretta. That's the bottom line. And she was his only child, and and it, it is sad uh, when you feel connected. I grew up with Elvis and Harry Belafonte. I cried when Sidney Poitier died. I cried when Fats Domino died. If Harry has to go before me, I'm going to be a mess. I mean, I fell in love with Harry and Elvis when I was 11 years old. Those are the two icons of music. Between the two icons of music, it's all there. And that's what got me walking almost 12 years ago. Music, 
it's healing and and um it, it's powerful and, Agreed. Agreed. And, and yes you can't go and, wrong with any kind of music and and, and it brings people together it brings yes. people together loretta yes. god bless you, you and thank you for the call let's go from brooklyn to new hampshire and let's say good morning to pete good morning pete what's on your mind yeah hi dom thank you for taking my call uh you know it, it, it seems that the left and our government is more concerned about the illegal aliens and looking after them than the homeless situation in this country. I saw the video, Dom, and you know what? That food could have gone to the homeless. Those 14 hotels that they're housing these illegal aliens in, they could have put the homeless in there. These are 14 hotels around Times Square from what I caught in the video. And I have one last question for you, Dom, before we I hang up. This is my question to you, Dom. After after Black Lives Matter and Antifa burned cities, destroyed businesses, people died during the summer of love. What I I have one question, and this is my question to you, Dom. What has Black Lives Matter and Antifa done for the black communities across this country? Pimp. Real simple, Pete. Pimp. Pimp exactly, the community. Dominic. Pimp the community. It's real simple. I, I yep. wish I wish it wasn't true. I, I wish it wasn't true. But it but it really is it really is that simple. And that's why when folks call up here, sometimes from the left with that nonsense, I have zero tolerance for it. Because, Absolutely. because Absolutely. All, all all they're teaching is racial hatred in the name of pimping. It's called pimping to make millions of dollars. And they have been quite successful at it. And not only that, Pete, uh, in the case of uh, Black Lives Matter, thank you for the call, uh, telling telling the community that it's okay to have a dis- dysfunctional family unit. And I, I, I can speak to this because my family life at, growing up is the sheer definition of dysfunction. You know, not raised by my mother. I've gone through that. Raised by my grandmother, no father. I've gone through that. But why Why would you want to push that on people? It, it's okay if that's the type of family structure you come from. But I'm about success. I'm about uh, moving up. I'm about positive things. I'm about each one teach one. I'm not about some racial game that's just going to pimp you and keep you in a bad state of affairs while I can go buy million-dollar homes. Joe in Manhattan, good morning. What's on your mind? Yeah, good morning, Dominic. Uh, the question, like, you've brought up regarding the migrants in the, in the hotels like the Milford Plaza and everything. What's going to happen when the seasons change? We get into spring and summer, and these migrants get tired of being in the hotel to get, you know, and come out on the streets. What's the quality of life going to be around here when they can't find work and they're doing this thing? I mean, it's going to totally affect everything in Midtown and everything else around here. So, I mean, and the cops got their hands full. What are they going to do when they're going to start acting up? That's the whole thing. I mean, it's like well, Joe, you, 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 you and I know it's coming. We know it's coming. But the mayor had his eyes on Washington when he said, "Kumbaya, come to New York. We love you, migrants. Come here. You're welcome." Yep. And and now and now 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 they thumbed Mr. Mayor. They thumbed your tent city. They said, "Uh, I don't want to live there. I want to live like New Yorkers." And New Yorkers, you pay for it. Now they're thumbing the food that we give them. 
there are days when I would love to have a turkey sandwich on wheat, you know, and, and yeah, I don't exactly. have to pay for it. You know what I mean? For once. Yeah. For once, I don't well, have to pay $20 good. for lunch. You know? Exactly. The whole thing is that the taxpayer money is going down the toilet, and these people think from their nose that everyone, stupid gringo, whatever you want to call them, and it's like they're walking around, and you watch what's going to happen for the summertime because you figure you got a lot of illegal aliens you work in, in, a, in a pizzerias, in a restaurant. Where are they going to find work? How are they going to support themselves except go out there and do what they want to do? And, and God knows what they probably did in their own country before they came over here because they weren't vetted. So I mean, it's going to be a, a it's going to be a free for all around here, and God help us. I mean, that's the whole well, thing. And the police that have to enforce it. Joe, we will see how this plays out. Unfortunately, but but you, I, everybody within the sound of our voices, we know how this is going to play out this summer. Thank you for the call. I'm now joined by Frank Morano. We're going to go back to your calls uh, in just a second. Frank Morano, the other side of midnight. Good morning, hello, to you, sir. Dominic. What's going on? It's Friday. What TGIF. Do you have? <laughs> yeah. What do you have coming up? Uh, as we do each and every Friday morning, uh, we're going to do Ask Frank Anything. There's no telling what degree of question we're going to get from the listeners for the next hour. It's always unpredictable. And then, uh, re- very excited. Uh, w- Steve Gutenberg was here yesterday. I had the opportunity to sit down with him. We're going to play my interview with Steve Gutenberg. Uh, he's got a new film on the Lifetime Network that's coming out this weekend. I've been been a fan of Steve's for a long time. This is the first time I got to meet him in person. So we'll do that. We have denunciations. And uh, somebody who says you should be pretty careful before giving your DNA away to one of these consumer DNA testing sites. We're going to talk with her and a bunch of other things we have as well. So it's going to be an action-packed show. I, I look forward to it. Let's go back to the telephone calls together. Uh, Frank Morano and Dominic Carter, let's go to Alyssa in Manhattan. Good morning, Alyssa. What's on your mind? Good morning, Dominic. Good morning, Frank. Morning. Good to be on with both of you. I just wanted to uh, provide a suggestion with regards to yet, you know, the L.A. incident with yet someone else dying. It seems to me we've gotten to the point where we should be finding a way to calm these people down long enough for them to be handcuffed. Um, If the government was able to push through you know, warp speed to find a vaccine for the pandemic, then they should be able to come up with a tranquilizer. It seems to me that uh, bullets harm, uh, tasers put you into shock. A tranquilizer, just something that would give the officers a chance to handcuff them. And most of the time, you know, this, these situations are where the person is, um, you know, agitated, you know, having a mental issue, a psychotic issue, or they're on drugs. Um, it seems to me that a tranquilizer will do less harm than other things and also maybe, you know, give the officers a chance to do their job properly so they can get some peace and not have to deal with this insanity. Alyssa, I, I just strongly feel, and Frank and I don't have time to talk about it, it is terribly unfair to be a police officer. This guy was high on something. Uh, we'll find out further information in the Los Angeles situation uh, a, a tranquilizer may have worked, may not have worked, but he was agitated. The police were professional. And yet again, here we go again. Folks, have a great weekend. Frank Morano and the other side of Midnight coming up next.